Welcome to TTELT. I'm Dr. Eileen Hale, the COO of Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. And we have with us today a special guest, one of our board members, Dr. Jen Gonzalez. Welcome, Jen. Um, my name's Jennifer Gonzalez, and I am an educator who's very passionate about many things, I will say. Uh, I've been an artist. Uh, I believe in social justice practices and inclusive education. And I also believe in that there's not always one answer or solution to education problems. So I like to explore and see what fits in a local context. And it's really informed my approach to teaching and working with teachers. So that's just a, a little bit about me. So most people are going, why is a person from the US talking about low resource or low tech? First of all, let me start out with saying, I started teaching on a reservation, uh, indigenous people or Native American reservation. And my first day in the classroom, I showed up and I had absolutely no materials to teach with. There were no pencils, there was no paper, we did have tables and chairs. So that was a low resource environment, but low resource can also be poor connectivity to the internet, old technology that is not reliable to use. Maybe it's a place where there's not a lot of books available for students as well. So low resource and low tech can actually cover quite a bit. It just, it means that you do not have all of the fancy tools out there in education that we see in some of those phenomenal classrooms that we're dreaming about. Sometimes all that you have is the dirt patch under a tree to teach a lesson with, or it's that chalk that you have to get wet before you write on the blackboard for it to work. This is the reality with teachers around the world. They do not always have the connectability to the internet or to bring in a music box or you know tape player or, or whatever it is to play music in the classroom. So sometimes you have to find other ways to engage students in your lesson and make it meaningful and help them understand. So you have to scaffold your lessons build in supports to teach the language content without all the fancy tools and fun things. <laughs> well, I think you've started to answer this, my next question, but um, is there anything else you'd like to say about um, why it's important to have activities that require few resources? Sure. I, I just think it is so important because you never know what's going to happen. So I remember one day, when I finally did get an overhead projector in my classroom, I was getting observed for a lesson. And guess what? The bulb went out on this thing in the middle of the lesson. So even when you have the fancy stuff, it doesn't always work. And so you need to be able to adapt as a teacher. You need to think of all the different ways that you could teach this lesson or engage students in the content that you're presenting. You just never know what's gonna happen. So that's why I'm passionate about it. In addition to that, you know, working with all the populations that I've worked with and the teachers that I've worked with, whether they are on 
native reservations in the United States or maybe even rural areas in you know, small communities or small towns in the US to places in Namibia and Djibouti. Um, you know, it's really uneven the resources in our classrooms. Sometimes it really depends on what the teacher brings in themselves. And so this is why it's a passion of mine is to always think that there is a great tech option, but how can we do it low tech or no tech as well? I love it. And what are some types of low resource activities that you found the most useful? So I remember um, when I was teaching my pre-service teachers in Djibouti, and I was talking about how important it is to be able to take anything and turn it into a teaching tool. And I happened to have just a water bottle on my desk. And we started to brainstorm all of the ways that you could just use a water bottle. You could talk about what is this op object. You could talk about where it is placed. So those prepositions of place, is it on, under, behind? Um, you could talk about the color of it. You could talk about opening and closing it. Uh, you could talk about giving it to somebody. So asking, you know, may I have some water, please? Yes, you may. Um, so there's, you know, I look at everyday objects as endless possibilities to teaching. Um, one of the things that I really loved is when I met Eugenia in Djibouti, uh, you were doing, you had planned this wonderful workshop for our teachers. And I was like, do you mind if I kind of sneak in here with some low tech options. And I started collecting tea bag, um, the covers for tea bags. And I turned the tea bags with just a marker and some tape into flashcards for students to use so that we could play games. And we did flashcards for words. You can make them out of words. So you can use them then to make sentences if you want. There's just endless Have possibilities. Any of them? Do you have any of your flashcards handy? I don't. I wish I did, actually. <laughs> uh, I actually, because we were evacuated, I left all my flashcards that I made there. Um, I will send a picture, though. I do have a photo of some <laughs> of them that I'll send to you, and maybe you can post it somewhere. Yeah, I will. Um, and, and I'm working on rebuilding. So I've saved right now hundreds of tea bag cover so I can demonstrate this. If we have a workshop, I'll show you how to make, uh, you know, tea bag cover. I don't know, the, the tea bag wrapper flashcards. <laughs> so, I love those tea flashcards. And I started saving all of my tea bags too. So <laughs> the covers yeah. for my tea bags so that we can make more flashcards. Yes. Well, and there's just so many things, you know, I also save all of the lids for soda bottles um, or drink bottles because I can write letters in them. I can put symbols in them. They become markers to move for game boards if I make game boards. Um, so yeah, I just say that there's endless possibilities. The other fun one that I enjoyed when we were there is in Djibouti, um, a lot of the teachers are going from classroom to classroom and they have 20, 20 to 30 minute lessons and you know, they're walking into another teacher space who probably has something up on the board that they're not allowed to erase. And the teacher's like, well, what do I do? And so you and I went around and we scavenged materials and we created a portable classroom. And this was a 
box and some white paper that we taped down with clear cello tape. Um, usually these things can be asked for, for, for and gotten for free. Or if you're buying that cello tape, that's the one thing. Um, and maybe some dry erase markers that's going to cost a little, but you can use it so many times and in so many ways. So we had these boards. I'll send a picture of that as well because I had to leave that in Djibouti too. Um, it was a very handy board. Yes. I mean, I use it for um, when I'm facilitating workshops with teachers. And then it was just a way to show, look, I'm doing this here. You can take this into your classroom and, you know, use it there as well. Um, the other thing is, is that I really like about this is I think just having a number of different flashcards or word wall cards, and then you can do word games with it. If you already know the units that you're going to be covering or the topics that you're going to be covering, you just save those once again, cover them with that cheap clear cello tape, and it makes them completely reusable. I usually then stick them into an envelope uh, and I just label what the, the theme is for them. Maybe I have days of the week and I might have months of the year. I can actually then use those envelopes with those labels on them for a sorting activity. So this for me has become like an organizational piece. It's become a content or curriculum planning piece over years of collecting these things. And then it's just, well, what are all the different ways that I can do things with really limited resources or tools and not have to keep buying them or replacing them or making them, but making them sustainable as well. So I don't know, that's just a few of the ones that we came up with there. Yeah, I, it was um, great to see you at work too when we were giving the workshops and using all those and having the teachers just watch their eyes get really wide and go, oh, I can do that. And then they were so, I think that it really helped them see that there's a lot that they could um, do with the things around them and use them in their classroom so that they couldn't, um, it, it was kind of like they're whenever we would say you could do this they're like oh no we don't have those resources we can't afford it we can't do it it was like no 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 we can't and then when we showed them I'm like well here here's here's these activities and we would just give them the um flashcards that we had created out of tea bags after the workshop <laughs> yeah exactly and and I think that doing that it does it makes it really possible to say look at anybody can do these things actually I was just I was going to share with you and I don't have it here, but um, one thing that that's not commonly used, but I can still find in a lot of places is adding machine tape. Um, adding machine tape is this endless roll of paper that if you are going to make flashcards or word wall cards, it's the perfect size for doing all of this stuff too. And then you can just kind of tear it off to the length that you need as soon as you finish that word. So you're not wasting any paper either. And then once again, like I said, just cover it with that cello tape. If you're in a place where they have clear um, shelf paper, uh, what is that stuff called? That, you know, shelving paper. Yeah, the clear shelving paper that you can get. Um, that's another way to cover it. If you if you want to spend money to actually get it laminated and you're at a place where you can get things laminated, that's another option. But if you don't have anything, um, I know that in, when we were in Peace Corps and we were out in these small village areas, we'd always have our cello tape and that's how we made reusable materials. 
So it's a really great one. Yeah, definitely. Got it. I think um, next time I travel um, to do any projects, I'm just going to bring a couple rolls of cello tape with me. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. Or just go and find it locally so you can yes. tell people. This is what's nice. When I go and I travel locally, uh, and I started doing this when I was an education consultant working on Native reservations, and I traveled to ones all over the place. Some would be near large cities, and others would be very, very remote, um, where there's not even really a local shop. Uh, but I would maybe know that they would go to a Walmart or a specific store, or they'd go even just to the gas station locally. And I'd say, what's available? Oh, look, here's toothpicks, or here's string, here's some rubber bands, here's cups, here's this kind of marker, or here's paper I can collect from somewhere. Paper, I think, is one of the easiest ones. There's always one-sided paper floating around everywhere um, that I've been to in most places, uh, because it seems like there's a policy document that had to get printed off somewhere and it didn't print right. So there's the backside of that policy document that you can cut up and use as one-sided paper. And that when you have that paper, the options are in, endless. You can make cootie catchers, which I want to actually rename these as conversation catchers, which is a great game you can play with your students. You can make books for your classroom. So we did this. This is one of our other things that we did in Djibouti is we took a song. So we actually played a song for the students. Um, do you, I think it was, do you like broccoli ice cream? Yes. Um, and we use this, the lyrics, and then we have the students create their own lyrics that were culturally relevant to them. And then we turned it into a class book. So students got to draw, we got to tape this all together and staple it together. And, and now you have a book that can be read by other people. So it's another way of engaging the language and making those resources for yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that all of those resources are great. And I think the more teachers can think that way to kind of think outside the box about what's available and what they can use and how they can use everything that, you know, that they normally would just throw away. Like, like you're talking about bottle, bottle um, caps, um, tea covers, you know, that sort of thing that you think, how can I use this with my students? Um, I think it's great to have teachers thinking about that in all areas, whether they're low resource or high resource areas. It's great to always be thinking about what's the low tech option? What am I going to do if I don't have this resource available? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll also be sure to share with you a picture that I did for some of the pedagogical advisors in Djibouti. They were asking about how we had started incorporating games into the textbooks that we've been working with them on. And they said, well, how do they mark their place on the games? And so I sent them a whole bunch, just, I just quickly actually walked through my house. And I think I made a eight and a half by 11 sheet grid of that. I think it has like 10 different options of things that you could use from shells to just pieces of paper with numbers written on it or a name written on it. You could use little rocks. You can use beans, pasta. I will caution you though. Um, once again, check for local culture to see what is appropriate. 
in some cultural contexts, like when I was working on the reservation, using things such as beans and pasta were not appropriate for the classroom because food is not a play item. So that's where you have to just kind of say, is this reasonable or okay to use culturally as well? So always good to remember. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just want to say, I challenge you to start looking at everything you come across as a possible learning tool. It could be the random colorful brochure that you could care less about that comes in the mail, but it has a great picture of something that you could one, use for as a visual thinking strategy, two, use it as a flashcard or a picture to teach about a specific vocabulary term, or three, have students analyze the language on a brochure for your higher level students. So everything around you has an opportunity for teaching. And it's just how you look at it. So when you come across something, start brainstorming. What are all the ways that I could use this to teach a language concept? Great. All right. I think it's a great challenge. Okay. So Jen, what are some projects that you're working on? Well, as you know, Gina, the thing that has been consuming most of my time these days is actually work continuing the work that I've been doing with the Jibushin Ministry of Education. You and I have worked together on that. We miss you with our project there uh, in developing their textbooks as they're expanding English into their elementary grades. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been um, a challenge to figure out how we can incorporate games and cooperative learning strategies into the textbook design so that it encourages uh, teachers to utilize these methods. So that's that's been a lot of fun. And I'm also very excited to be working with you um, as a board member for the Rhodes Education Foundation uh, and putting on these great, you know, professional development opportunities for teachers. I have to say, I personally, I love the podcast, but I also really love the opportunity when I can get on um, once a month for our teacher discussion. So I hope to see a lot more teachers there with our teacher discussion groups because we have so much to learn from each other as professionals in the field of teachers and education. I agree. Those discussions are really good. Um, and you never know who's going to come and what what topic they're going to want to discuss. But it's always useful. I always learn a lot from those discussions. So yes, the last Saturday of every month as our TTLT talks. Yes. Um, well, thanks a lot. And um, yes, I am uh, sorry that I had to leave the project, but I left it in good hands. You and the um, Jibushins are writing an amazing textbook. So I'm glad that it's all coming together. Well, and I'm glad that we still have you to check all of our work too. <laughs> it's always <laughs> great to have another set of eyes. So yes. Right. Yes, I do try to look at the projects and see see what you guys have come up with. Yeah, it's a great um, textbook that you're writing. And I'm uh, excited about all the things that we're doing. And I'm so glad that you're on the board for TTLT, or actually, I should say, and I'm so glad that you're on the board for the Rhodes Education Foundation. You're a great person to have with us. Thank you. Yeah. We're doing great things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where can teachers find you, Jen? So the best way to reach me is through my email, and I believe that I've given the, the 
jgonzalez uh, dot elf at mm-hmm. gmail. So that's j g o n z a l e s dot e l f at gmail. I think that's my email address. <laughs> Just know the best way to reach me is by email. <laughs> As a recap for Jen's teaching tips, we're going to summarize how to best support teachers with low resources. First, find everyday objects as teaching tools, such as water bottles, pencils, pens, paper. Turn these into teaching tools and scaffold with these objects. Adapt to engage students. Create your own portable classroom, a box full of tools that you can take with you if you don't have your own classroom or you move from one building to another. Check for cultural appropriateness of items, as not all items translate across cultures. Look at everything as a learning tool. Thanks so much, Jen, for joining us today. We really appreciate your expertise for English language teachers. Please join us again this coming Saturday, July 17th. I, Dr. Eileen Hale, will be talking to you in a live workshop about our secret sauce, building communities of learners within your classroom. This coming Saturday, July 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And at the end of this month, I will be doing another live workshop on the independence of teachers. That will be Friday, July 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love you to join us for either or both of these workshops. As well, at the end of every month, we have our TTELT talks on Saturday, July 31st, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a time where we can talk about topics that matter most to you, ask questions and share ideas as colleagues in the field of English language teaching. Finally, this month, as a reminder, is our July fundraising month. So please encourage friends and family members to donate. You can find the spaces to donate at www.ttelt.org slash support backslash or on Facebook at our 501c3 Rhodes Education Foundation page. We really appreciate your support to help us continue growing, offering scholarships for professional development of teachers such as yourselves and many others who are yet to be reached as well as the ongoing development of workshops and other professional development courses for the future. Find us at ttelt.org, on our Facebook group, TTELT, Instagram, Twitter. We'd love you to follow us and share us with other teachers globally. Thanks so much and hope to see you this coming Saturday, July 17th, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you.